Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. We are in Galatians, and we're going to talk about chapter 2 in Galatians. If I were to give Galatians a subtitle, I would call it In Defense of Grace. You know, for the Christian, it really is a preposterous idea that we would somehow set aside some of the elements of grace and embrace others. It would be like seeking to set aside oxygen and then believing that it's only applied in dire need. We embrace grace for eternal salvation, but initially we do not recognize grace in the moment by moment of living. All that has been afforded us through Christ was delivered by God's grace. You were saved by His grace, you were born again by His grace, and you have been put into union with His Son by grace. You are now a child of God, born into eternity by His grace. By His grace you lived out this temporal life as a righteous spiritual creation, clothed in sin-cursed flesh, all by grace. Grace is the activity of God concerning you. And it is an eternal work that is shaping and forming us according to our own unique purpose in Christ, our created purpose in Christ. For my wife and I, this has been a time of transition as the last of the Granger children has moved out on his own. And I have noticed that I never have grace for the changes in my life until they're upon me. And I think that's because grace is the activity of the I am, not the I'm going to be, or I was. Well, had each transition of life, change seems to come as an intrusion, doesn't it? I know that change is needed for growth. No one but the infant can wear the clothing of an infant. Every mother knows the sense of loss when the baby begins to lose, you know, those dimples on the back of their hands. And no longer are these little ones that sweet little bundle they used to be. We are all familiar with the normal patterns of growth and the transitions of our humanity. To some degree, we've been prepared by watching those who are older and who are going before us, who are making the journey with us. Why am I talking about this? Are we supposed to be talking about grace? Well, guess what? We are. That's exactly what we're talking about. Look at how God has brought you along. Examine the mystery of spiritual maturity in your life. And it is a mystery, isn't it? At each point, the revelation of God has moved you forward. When I was saved, I had very little understanding of God's purpose in salvation, except that he had forgiven me and made me fit for heaven. And at that point, I had the fringe benefits of his protection. (laughs) And when he deemed that was necessary, I had it. And his assistance in living up to my Christianity. That's how I interpreted Christianity early on. 
How about you? I think we all did. And then, as I got older, things began to change for me. And I got to thinking about how infantile it was all about me. It was all about how I was saved and how I was redeemed and how I was going to live the Christian life now. I entered into my man-centered religious relationship with him at that point. As I grew older in my humanity, I found that there was still this longing in me for more of him. And at that point of transition, I thought he was wanting me to be a better Christian. You ever heard that one? That if I could somehow, with his assistance, train myself to behave better, I would become more spiritual, right? Do you ever think that? That he would give me more attention and time, and I would be fulfilled in my Christian image. It was a time of rededications. How many of you have done that? How many times do you go down that aisle? It was a time of rededications, time of service. Although I was more about rededication than service, I tried them both. But God moved me from this because my attempt to perfect the perfect image turned out to be a complete disaster. No shock there, huh? So much a disaster that I abandoned any hope of ever becoming the spiritual person I thought I needed to be. And I just lived out my appetites. I lived to the appetites of my flesh. I tried to establish life on my own and continued to do so until, by His grace, I was broken. By His grace, I was destroyed. By His grace, I found my need for a Savior. And in the emptiness of that transition, that period of time, I begged God to either show me what it meant to be a Christian or take my life because I was tired of living in the battle. I don't know if you've ever been there, but it's not actually a bad place to be because it forces you into the reality that God made you for himself and nothing else. At this point of transition, I begged God to show me this and I continued on with my life. And there was still a craving for deeper knowledge in me. Still a craving for a deeper knowing of him. And as illustrated in the Christian life, like the life in our humanity, it's always moving us forward, isn't it? It doesn't stop. But like our humanity, in our humanity, we always move from point to point thinking we've arrived. This is it. I thought when I got to be 30, I would have it all figured out, and I will have arrived. When I got a job, when I got a wife, when I had children, when everything came together, then I will have arrived. And then when, when the kids got older and got out of the diapers and became mature and started, you know, living like adults, I would have arrived. And then when they started having children, I would have arrived. But you know what? We're ever leaving and never arriving, are we? And that's the reality of our humanity. But guess what, folks? It's the reality of your spirituality as well. I find that at each transition, 
we seem to believe we've arrived and we attempt to become more comfortable with where we are. We work at it real hard. This was true when I became a Christian. It was true when I understood the need to live as a Christian. It was true when I became aware of the need to reckon myself dead and be filled with the Spirit of God. It was true when I began to understand lordship. It was true when I embraced the exchanged life. But at each transition, I recognize that I have not arrived and there is still a craving in me to know more. To know Him. We can never arrive. Because we're embracing the God of glory, whose being is beyond description and beyond our ability to comprehend. We know him through his son, who is loving us with his love, who is the personification of his grace, who is eternal, who has birthed us into the arms of Father God to be forever in his presence. That's how we know him. We are eternally growing in our relationship with him. Paul understood this. He declared this his greatest desire and his determined purpose was to know him, to grow more deeply and intimately acquainted with him. And I believe that is still Paul's greatest desire. I believe he's in heaven with that desire right now. I believe that desire is never quenched. I believe it's what we are created for because we are eternal. Do you see it? I have become concerned that many Christians who have come to understand the new covenant and grace, Christians who have found liberty and freedom, the freedom of living from grace, are once again becoming comfortable believing that they have arrived at an understanding that fulfills every aspect of their relationship with God. I believe that's going on. Those of us who have made grace our message are continually emphasizing your identity and your freedom from sin and the law, and this is right for us. But we must never forget that grace is a means, a vehicle to knowing him. That's what it's about. Some of you are struggling. Even though you fully understand who you are in Christ, there's this sense that there is something more you need to be perfected. The accuser is pointing to your failures that attend you daily and telling you that if you just had a better understanding or that if you were just more disciplined, you'd be able to live with a greater sense of his love and life and you would be fulfilled. Where is this struggle taking us? And what of grace? Why am I struggling? Grace is a vehicle by which God moves you forward in your relationship with him. The dispensation of grace is never going to quench your thirst for him because we are made for him. A deep breath will never be enough to live on. Paul's passion for Christ was not satisfied by the dispensation of grace and no one knew it better save Christ. He knew the fullness of grace. He knew the length and breadth of grace. He articulated grace for us. But you know what? He wasn't living just to grace. For him, the purpose of grace was that he might know him. And you say, Paul, what is it you most desire? More grace? What is it that you crave, Paul? More grace? No. To know Him. To grow in intimacy with Him. And He says, 
by virtue of his life. Not a single obstacle in my way is there to block me from knowing him. It is to literally propel me by his grace towards him. And I will press. I will press forward in this. I'm not going to live in grace so that I can be comfortable with this life. I'm going to live in grace because by grace, I can move forward in Him. I'm going to live in grace because by grace, I can press onward towards Him. I'm going to live in grace because by grace, I can put aside all of the appetites of the flesh. I can set aside all the cravings of this world. I can set aside all of the things that this world calls rest and and pleasure. I can pursue what I was made for. Because of grace. Paul's passion for Christ was not satisfied by the dispensation of grace. And no one has a greater acquaintance with grace. Paul was always pressing forward to know more of Christ. We read this verse in Bible study. Philippians 3 verses 12 through 15. We've talked about this quite a bit. Paul writes, not that I've already attained it. This goal of being Christ-like. Or have already been made perfect. But I actively press on so that I may take hold of that perfection for which Christ took hold of me and made me his own. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider that I have made it my own yet. But one thing I do. Forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. I press on. Says it again. I press on toward the goal to win the heavenly prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. All of us who are mature, pursuing spiritual perfection, should have this attitude. And if in any respect you have a different attitude, that too God will make clear to you. We are never idle in this relationship. We are never idle in this relationship. We press towards Christ. We're not seeking just to know about Him. We're not seeking just to know about His grace. We're seeking to live in the intimate relationship with both. A relationship that we live in is a relationship that is never, ever, ever satisfied, but presses, presses to know Him. If you're mature, this is your pursuit. If you're not, you're trying to play house where you're at. Do not let the enemy interpret the passion that God has placed in you. You are made for him, and as you pursue him, your passion will grow. You will move through each transition of this life, receiving new revelation. And with each revelation, you should be more determined in your purpose to know him. This is what Paul did. He moved forward from transition to transition. He accounts his life before Christ as grace. Because it was the life before Christ that moved him forward. He counts his life after Christ as grace. Pre-conversion, during conversion... Post-conversion, he is living in grace. And every town and every circumstance that he walked into, he was transitioning into a greater understanding, a greater acquaintance, a greater love, a greater apprehension of the Christ that apprehended him. 
That's the life we are called to. Paul is determined to press towards the goal of knowing him. It is the passion of eternity. It is the purpose of all that God created for us. Everything, everything has its purpose in this pursuit. Forgiveness, union, grace, eternal life, all of these are vehicles for a greater understanding, a greater intimacy with him. That's what you were created for. If we are pressing towards this pursuit, then we have no time to be distracted by our past. And you know what? That's not just the failures of our past. That's that revival that we went through. That's that revelation that we had. That's that understanding that we had. We don't have time to sit and dwell on what God has shown us. We are to go forward in what God is showing us. I'm in a relationship with my wife. I'm not in relationship with the wife I had yesterday. I'm not in relationship with the wife I had tomorrow. I'm in relationship with the wife I have now. And in every moment, in every year that I spend with her, I am growing and expanding in that relationship. It is now becoming more. With all its component parts, it is growing and expanding. That is what a mature Christian does in this life. He didn't put us down here just to get along till Jesus comes. And grace is not just to make us feel good about our relationship with God so that we can get on with our comfort. But I know plenty of people who think that. They may not profess it, but they live in that way. And here's the thing that bothers me. I, I know grace teachers, and they, they, they're teaching truth concerning grace, but they're never, ever, ever addressing the purpose of it. It's good that we have Christ as our life. Okay, where do we go from here? Where do we move? What is the purpose of grace within us? It is that we might go forward in each moment of life knowing the fullness of Him. Knowing Him in an intimate way. Not in an ambiguous, I thank God that He's with me way. But in an intimate way where He reveals in each thing that we encounter the truth of, and depth of His love for us. The truth and depth of His wisdom in us. The truth and depth of His protection of us. In each moment expanding our experience of Him. That is why we're here. And when that stops happening, guess what? You're out of here. Because you don't have any other reason to be here. There's purpose in grace. Not just the content of what he did, but the purpose for why he did it. And that purpose is in you. Christ in you. The hope of glory. If we're pressing towards this pursuit, then we have no time to be distracted. It is the upward call. It is the eternal call. It's the call of everyone who's born from above. And it began with the grace of God that was personified in Christ. We began there. Now let's look at Galatians chapter 2. We'll be looking at verses 1 through 10. And as I have said before, this is a letter... This letter is about Paul's protection of the understanding of grace. And Paul is passionate. He's passionate in this and quite ready to defend the truth of the message to the pillars of the church. And Paul was unwilling to allow the message of grace to be edited or changed in any way. 
Now, understand that what we're looking at as we go through this first part of, uh, well, a good bit of the second chapter is the narrative. Kind of like you get in the Gospels. It's like a story. And Paul is recounting for us exactly what happened as he went along in obedience to the Father and addressed this issue that was going on, the issue of the Judaizers, not only in Galatia, but he he recounts addressing the issue of Judaizers in in Jerusalem, which is uh, pretty brave, right? Now, Paul has been accused of by the Judaizers, of plagiarizing the apostles' teaching and manipulating it for his own purposes. It's an interesting thing. They accuse him of the very thing that they're doing. And Paul answers this accusation in the first chapter we looked at it. He gives testimony of his pre-conversion life, his conversion and post-conversion in chapter 1. And he writes this letter to the four churches that he founded in the territory of Galatia. And they were principally Gentile churches, which I mentioned to you before, who had little or no acquaintance with Judaism, which is interesting that the Judaizers decided to move in on that. And in Paul's absence, the Judaizers had descended on the Galatians like a plague. And they were distorting the message of grace. They told the Galatians that Paul had only given the Galatians a partial gospel. And they were coming with authority from the church of Jerusalem and the apostles and the apostles in Jerusalem, and they had a superior message, a superior gospel. They taught that salvation was through faith in Christ and the right of circumcision. Also, certain aspects of the law must be maintained, principally a ceremonial law. And they attacked Paul's authority because he was not one of the original twelve. They claimed superiority over Paul. So Paul gives an account of this apostolic calling on the road to Damascus. And he proves that the message did not come from men, but in fact came from God himself. So all of this is in chapter 1. And if you missed uh, that, you can pick it up on the website. Now, in chapter 1, we read of a brief visit that Paul makes to the church in Jerusalem for the purpose of getting acquainted with Peter. And he says that outright. I only went up there to get acquainted with Peter. And by the way, while I was up there, I ran into James. James was not James the Apostle. It was James, the brother of Jesus, who was head of the Jerusalem church. And he was only there 15 days, so he wasn't there to be schooled. He was there to do exactly what he said he was doing, and that was to get acquainted with Peter. And then he moved on. In chapter 2, Paul writes about a longer visit that he made to Jerusalem 14 years later. And it was at this time that the apostle conferred with the other apostles, and they affirmed him in his message. And we're going to take a look at that. Let's start with verses 1 and 2. Starting with verse 1 and 2. Then after a period of 14 years, I again went up to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas, taking Titus along also. I went up to Jerusalem because of a divine revelation, and I put before them the gospel, which I preached among the Gentiles. But I did so in private before those of reputation. For fear that I might be running or had run the course of my ministry in vain. Now, Paul went to Jerusalem, and that's recorded in Acts 11, verses 27 through 30. And Paul went there actually on a relief mission. 
And he took Barnabas and Titus, and it's actually been called by theologians the famine relief visit, because Paul took money to the poor saints in Jerusalem. And this is 14 years after his conversion. So, you know, Paul has not been sitting around waiting to get his degree from the apostles in Jerusalem. Paul hasn't been doing an online course. He was not picking up all the syllabus of the notes from the apostles of Jerusalem. Paul has been preaching and ministering to the Gentiles for 14 years. 14 years he's been in this ministry to the Gentiles. He's not going to Jerusalem to submit to the authority as the Judaizers might have suggested. God told him to go and share with them the gospel that he was sharing with the Gentiles. Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road and Blanco Woods just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006.